Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I want you to go uh, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, this is Encounter uh, Part 3. And uh, Anybody love the Word of God? Anybody love the Word of God? Just try that again, just because, you know, I just thought, thought that'd be good. I, I really believe this. When you come into the house of God, anything can happen. And so if you haven't been coming here long or you uh, don't, have, maybe this is your first time, I want you to know we believe and we prayed for today, we prayed for these services, that when you walk into these doors, we really believe this. This is an atmosphere of faith, and where faith is, faith in God, anything can happen. And uh, so I guess I would just say get ready. Just, just get ready. If you're used to quiet, dull, TED Talk church, this is not that, okay? I love TED Talks, by the way, um, but this is not that, all right? I'm not TED, and I will not talk like TED. Um, I, I believe this is something that you need to be involved in. This is, this, this is an experience. This, this is where we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we do somewhat, but... There is an element of surprise that we like to keep in there uh, just to keep us on the edge of our seats. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, it's a verse we've been reading for this series. It's in the message translation, and it speaks specifically about prayer. And it says this, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. You might have this scripture memorized by now. We've been reading it every week. This, this, this is the most simple reminder of how to pray, that I'm going to find a place. I'm going to be with God, and when, I, when I'm with him, my perspective shifts from me to him, and I will begin to sense his grace. Man, that's, that's powerful. I hope during this fast you've been encountering God as you've just been meeting with him and, and making time to just be in prayer. Maybe you've been here at the church, and I hope that, that, that you can come to God simply, without role-playing, without putting on or performing. Just, just be with him, pure and simply. Mark chapter 6 is where we'll get our message today. Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 1. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, we'll read. It says, Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown. Went to his hometown where he grew up, where people knew him. People probably had nicknames for him, like, like this, is, this, is, this is Jesus at home. Accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. This is key. You need to just like, like underline this, because they were amazed. They were amazed at Jesus' words. They were inspired by his message. They thought, I might come back next week. That was so good. Like, I'd even come to church conference to hear Jesus because that was amazing. That was, that was a good message. It was good sound teaching. It, was, it felt good. It was entertaining. It was fun to watch and fun to, fun to engage in. Where, where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brothers of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. I want you to see this. I, I love the word of God. I love to really like just like pull apart the word of God. It says they were amazed, yet they were offended. Did you know you can be amazed and offended at the same time? You can be entertained and offended at the same time. You can sit in church and be amazed and be offended at the same, I'll just move on quickly because that might like, I don't want to get in your business 
too early in the service. You thought I was going to say not in your business. I want to get in your business, just not yet. You got to just ramp up. And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and among his relatives and in his own home. How many can attest to that? It's like, my relatives, they just knew who I was. He could not do any miracles. Let me just read this again because this is important. I don't want you to miss it. He, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Verse 6 gives us the key to the entire message. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. We talked a couple weeks ago about encountering God through fasting. We talked last week about our desires and encountering God in in the midst of our desires, the battle of our desires. But what I want to talk about today is how to encounter God in this, in in, in the corporate gathering. I want want to talk about how do we encounter God in church? How do we encounter God in in, in this setting? What's supposed to happen here? What what are we supposed to do? Why, Why do we get up early and come? Why do we try to get the kids ready, get in the car, get mad at our wife on the way, get the kids half-dressed, half-fed, get into church, barely? Why? Why'd you go through the effort to get into the house? Why'd you go through the effort to get into this building, to get into this service? Why'd you battle parking issues? and Why'd you battle the cold to come and to be a part of, of, of this? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the encounter of God that happens here. Right here at home. You, you, you know, growing up, um, I, I grew up in this little city in Washington State. And uh, when people ask me where I'm from, I just say Seattle because that's the closest big city that people recognize. Because if I say the city that I'm actually from, people are like, now where is that? I'm like, I don't have time. Okay, it's just Seattle. You don't even know where it is anyway. It doesn't matter. It, it, it's this little city, and, and this is the problem with my hometown. The problem with my hometown was to do any type of entertainment or to eat any type of good food. You had to leave the hometown. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's like you, you had to physically leave, like get in your car and make a drive to get to somewhere. Like we're spoiled around here. It's like, what do you want? Like what kind of burger? What size of burger? What kind of restaurant? What kind of gas station? What do you want? You can have, it's, it's all right close. But in my hometown, it was, it was a little bit different. Everything that you wanted was outside of you. It, you, you watched it and you're like, man, what would it be like to live in a big city and have that right down the street from you? What would it be like to be able to have, with no gas in your tank, be able to still drive to a gas station? No, you had to prepare. You know, like, you don't get to, some of y'all just millennials running on like one mile on the tank. Like, you couldn't do that where I came from. Like, you'd be stuck. You'd be stranded. No gas. No bueno. Like, this is not good. You you had to plan for it. It, Because anything that you really enjoyed was outside of the hometown. You know, you know what I think uh, sometimes that we fall into is the tendency to look at others and what God's doing in others. Not, not that we shouldn't observe it or see it, but, it, but it's sometimes like we compare it. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like that, 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 that great tool and weapon, social media, that we look on and, and we scroll and like, well, why isn't God doing that in my life? And why isn't he providing for me like that? And look what she's wearing. I don't have any of that. But God must be blessed. But there's favor on her. There, and, and, and anybody else? Is just me? Just me? Um, be, be, because we, we get stuck comparing 
what's happening outside of our hometown to what's happening inside. And, and you know how authentic people are on social media. They post the good and the bad and the ugly. So you know what you're seeing is the accurate depiction of their life and marriage and family. It's like, it's it. Filter less. I mean, it's just like, that, that's, that's just them. And uh, some people got really in trouble when they started to do that Facebook, did they, like the 10-year challenge thing, you know, that everyone's been doing that. Some people got in trouble because they've been using that picture for the last 10 years to get dates. And they're like, uh-oh, they're going to know when I look exactly as, you see, you can't, you got you to think, all right? You got to like, you got to be authentic. But we have this comparing problem. So just, it always, maybe not, I shouldn't say always, but it seems like the majority of the time that what God's doing is in someone else. God's moving somewhere else. God's moving in someone else. You ever felt like I need a miracle? God, I could use some provision. I could use, a, I could use some prosperity. I could use a promotion. I could use some breakthrough. Be nice, God, over here. This is what this, is what this text says. It says that Jesus came into his hometown. He came into the place where he grew up. People saw him when he was a kid. People, I, I can't imagine Jesus as a kid, actually. It's, it's like, it's kind of humorous to like, kind of think about because, like, he's human, but he's God, you know. I, if it was me, and Jesus didn't, I'm sure he's pure heart and everything, but I'd be, like, playing with people for sure. If, like, hide and go seek, we just go to another level. You know, I'd just be like, see ya. You know, I mean, it's like, we can't find him anywhere and just, like, show up. I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, I would, I would, that's why he's Jesus and I'm not. Um, but, but I, I, I think that, that, that this place that Jesus grew up, there was a, there was an, there's an issue because it says for the first time in the Bible, it says that Jesus could not. Also at the scriptures, specifically in the, in the account in Matthew, just a chapter before, it begins to talk about the miracle working power of Jesus. It says that everyone, everyone that was coming to him was healed. That anybody that would come, I mean, miracles were breaking out everywhere. Jesus was getting famous. He had a reputation. People knew about him. And he came home to his hometown. And now these words are written in the Bible. It's, they're written that he could not do any miracles there. Now this is interesting to me because it wasn't as if they were enamored by his speaking ability. It says they were amazed they were amazed at Jesus. They were amazed. They were like, wow, Jesus. Good talk. They were amazed at him. But obviously, amazement wasn't enough. You know what I found to be true in the church is, is that we've gotten really good at amazing people. And when you don't have the power of God, you have to be really good at amazing people. You, you got to amaze them. You got to have the best lights and the screens. You got to have the best kids' ministry in the parking. You got to have the best building and the best production and the best show and the best band and the best preacher. And we have to amaze. Are you not entertained? Well, that's, sorry, it's too much. Be, be, it has become that. In, and if we don't amaze you, you don't come back. If we don't amaze you, you don't give. If we don't amaze you, then you don't like the church. If we don't amaze you, you leave a bad review. If we don't, but, but amazement is not the goal. Let me, let me, let me, just, let me just say it this way. Church is expensive without God. Church, church is exhausting without God. When you don't have a move of God, it is exhausting. Work it up. Work it up. Try to increase our brand. Get better signage. Get the building better. Do this. Do that. And all of that we do. 
but not at the expense of a move of God. See, what is a move of God? We have to define what a move of God is because when we say move of God, some of you think back to your childhood and be like, I know what a move of God is. Four-hour services, rolling on the floor, people barking like dogs. That's a move of God. That's what you think a move of God. Some of you are like, move of God? Like, oh, I remember that one time I lifted one hand. That was a move of God. Which probably was a move of God that you did anything like, you know, but it... Everybody has a different definition of what a move of God is. I'll tell you what a real move of God is, an encounter with God, is where you experience him and you end up different. That's an encounter. That's not, not an amazement. Wow, that service was awesome. But you go back to your hometown and nothing's changed. Isn't that the disconnect we have? We have moments of brilliance, moments of amazement, moments of entertainment, but nothing's really changed in the hometown. Nothing's changed here. Jesus doing all these miracles all out here, but in the hometown, it wasn't happening. Listen, we've got to get out of the amazement ministry. We've got to amaze. We've got to have the newest thing and the best thing and the, all of that. And all of that we do because we believe in excellence and we want to have the best thing. But I'm worried that we have coddled the culture, coddled the Christian culture, and we've led them to believe that the, the, the place that you should be connected and the church that you should go to is the church that does the best at amazing you. But you can be amazed and still walk away without a miracle. That's, that's what the scripture said. It says they were amazed, and then they begin to ask questions. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't that, oh, isn't he? We, we know he grew up with Judas and James. And we know his sisters. And we know his nickname. We knew he snuck out of the house. That, no, he didn't. He never sent. We, we, we know him. And I want to give you a couple keys to, I believe, the spirit of God breaking out in power in this setting. Right here. Some of y'all are like, we came on the wrong Sunday. Yeah, you might have. You might have. But you're in now. It's going to be super embarrassing if you get up and walk out. I mean, it's like, it, you, you might as well just stick it out. Just fasten your seatbelt and just stick it out. Because I believe 2019 is going to be different than 2018. But the only, the only way that 2019 is going to be different than 2018 is if we do something different in 2019 than we did in 2018. Everybody says, new year, new me, but it's the same you doing the same thing, and it's going to get you the same year. If it's going to be new year, new you, then you got to do something different to have a new year and a new you. We've got to change something. We've got to adjust something. And um, that guy's leaving right there. For real. <laughs> I got him. I got him. Charlie, I got him. Ooh, that's good. Let you should have seen the look on his face. That was awesome. <laughs> this is the first key that I see in, 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 in the scripture. It says, it, it says they were amazed, but let me, let me give you this. This is a key. Amazement versus engagement. Amazement versus, it's different. It's not the same thing. You can be amazed by something and not engage in something. It was just a, a little while ago, a couple months ago, uh, Whitney and I, my sister, we went and uh, we, were, we were looking at some new cars. Some new models came out. We're looking and, and we were window shopping because we were not there to buy. We were there to experience. 
And um, I led the guy to believe that I was there to buy, so he was giving us the entire full treatment. And so we're sitting in there, and he's like, look what the seat can do. And it's like, I don't need a seat that can, like, brush my teeth. And, like, I just need a car. You know, I mean, this car is crazy. I mean, you just wave your foot, and the door opens. And, I mean, it's just, it's wild. We're sitting in there. And it's like, man, this is nice. Like, I enjoy this. This, this, this is amazing. You know, you know we, we, we got out of the car and we drove home and we drove our same car that we drove there with. Same car. Drove home with it. Talked about how amazing that car was, but didn't drive in a different car. See, this, this is my concern is that, that church has become like, wow, God's amazing. Like, do you hear what he can do? You can hear it's got air conditioning seats. You got to have that in Texas. Isn't that awesome? Do you have it? No, but this model does. And we've talked about what God can do. We've talked about who he is. But there is no engagement. We've been, it's not that we have not been amazed. We've been amazed. Maybe we just haven't engaged. Jesus isn't a show to be amazed by. He is a person to engage with. Did you know that, 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 that to... That, that to to be amazed by something, it promotes a spectator attitude, which means I'm going to watch what God's doing. And maybe you've been one of those people. It's like, I'm just going to sit and watch what God does. And maybe, possibly, this could explain why God has not done anything. Because he is not looking for a spectator people. He is not looking for people in the grandstands. He is looking for people that will engage in what he's doing. And we have been so busy spectating that we forgot that we are a part of this move of God. This is what was happening here. It was a collective, a collective lack of faith and a collective lack of a miracle. Said so a couple people got it. That's every, every week, thousands of people come to our church and cross our campuses. And you want a couple people get it? But how do you get the collective miracle? Like how, how do you, how, is, how does it go from a car we look at to a car we engage in? How does it go from a car that we watch to a car that we drive? Amazement versus engagement. They were amazed, and it says this, and they were offended. How can you be amazed and offended? Did you know that I, I, um, when I watch sports, sometimes, let's be vulnerable for a second, sometimes I feel like I could do a better job. <laughs> it's this weird thing that comes on me, and I'm like, are you? Really? Come on! Like that's you can't tackle. Like it's not so much with players because I've kind of like kind of almost resigned the fact that I couldn't do that. But coaching, I'm just like throw the ball, Pete. Throw the ball. Like I know better than you, right? Because it's easy to criticize what you're watching from your home. It is always easier to criticize when you're in spectator mode than when you are engaged mode. Isn't that the truth? I found that to be true with Christians. Is spectator Christians are the worst critics of what God is doing. Is when you sit back and you watch what God's doing, you feel led to comment on what God's doing. You feel led to, you're like judge and jury on if God is moving or if God is not. And maybe... Instead of having so much time spectating, we should occupy ourselves with engagement. And if you were engaged in what God's doing, you wouldn't even have time to spectate. Well, who's going to be the judge? God's a pretty good judge. He's going to do all right. 
Well, who's going to let the, the pastor know he's a false prophet? It's cool. There's going to be a lot of people to take your spot when you don't. All right? There's plenty of emails without you. Just take yours out of the pot. It's okay. You can do it. I told you it's the wrong, it's the wrong Sunday to go. It's like week three, three of the fast. It's just, it's just, just starting to feel right. Amazement versus engagement. This is the second thing I see is familiarity versus honor. F- familiarity versus honor. Honor means to give weight to someone. To honor someone then is to give weight or to grant a person a position of respect and even authority in one's life. To honor. He says, he says there was no honor for him because they were familiar with him. Oh, it's just Jesus. Oh, I remember the carpenter's son. The the familiarity robbed him of honor, but where there was no honor, there was no weight. They they gave no weight to who he was. You know what? I think sometimes like we we we've lost honor in the church. I know we're good at honoring like like our leaders and pastors and our church is incredible, but I mean like real honor of God, like real weight to him. Like who he is and what Jesus isn't your homeboy. Jesus isn't your religious preference. Jesus is the savior of the world. Jesus is not an add-on. He's not a supplement. He's not something you do when you're scared or do when you need something bad. Jesus is the savior of the world. He is still the answer for the world today. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He still has the name that is higher than any other name. And at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will con- This is the Jesus that we're talking about. He has not lessened in power. He has not become a millennial. He has not lost his substance. He has not lost his discipline or lost his purpose. I think he lost his church. Where's the the church? But Jesus, we're amazed. I'm not looking for amazement. He's not looking for amazement. He's looking for honor. He's looking for honor, God. The the things that people say, like I cringe, and maybe this is just how I was raised, because my dad's a pastor, my grandfather's a pastor, and we honor God, uh, like, okay, like all that. But, But for me, I cringe when I hear people say, I'm just so mad at God. Mad at God? Just say that statement out loud. Mad at God. The supreme power of the entire universe, the highest power of all powers. The, I mean, you just, you just, wrote, but we, you know what happens? Familiarity. Do you know where we get familiar? We get familiar in this. You come to church and you know what's going to happen, and this is the song. We sing the fast song, we sing the slow songs, and someone's going to come up and transition. Ah, we're going to greet one another, act busy, act busy, it's over. <laughs> right? Going to talk about the Connect class. Someone's going to ask me how I am. Blessed, brother. Good. Go on. Hide the issue. Hide the, hide the week. Go on. The message is going to, that guy's going to preach up there. And then like today his pants are too, sh- too tight. Tomorrow his pants are going to be too short. It's like, it's, uh, I'm amazed. I'm coming back next week just to see what's going to happen. And, and we go through the motions, but there is no awe. There is no honor. You, you, did you know that I preached with the same Holy Ghost and the same anointing when I was 20 as I do now? But it's, you know, it's just hilarious. 
is people respect me more now because I'm older. But before they could discredit, ah, the young buck. Ah, it's pastor, son. (laughs) Same anointing. See, this is where we got to confuse. We actually think it's people. No, the anointing comes on someone. We honor God on people. We don't honor that person. We don't honor, the people say, I can't honor the president. Stop right now. It's against what the Bible says. You can. We honor the position because the Bible declares that we should and we will because we are a Bible believing people and that's the way that we're going to live. We don't honor someone because they're a superstar. We honor the anointing that is on them. And if you get familiar with the person, you'll miss the anointing that they have. Oh, it's just Pastor D. Careful. Careful. You can be offended at me, but don't miss the anointing that God has for you. You can hate my fashion, but don't miss the anointing. I came packed. I came locked and loaded. This is not personality or preference, friend. This is the anointing of God, the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. This might just be what you need. This might just be the miracle that you've been looking for. So be careful. Be careful. Hey, let, let me just tell you. Just sit down just for a second. Let me tell you what Paul says. I like it when you stand, but let, I just, it sounds cool when I say, oh, sit down. There's too many people standing. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. It's what T.D. Jakes always says. That's why I said, sit down and let me finish. (laughs) Can I go deeper? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Tweet them quick. But others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains, Paul says. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Pastor... Who's going to tell all the prosperity gospel preachers that they're in error while they're not reading your comments on their plane? It's not your job. Let the gospel be preached. Let the chips fall where they may. But make sure there's a move of God that comes to your hometown. Because the last thing you want is to be amazed, but to have no miracle. Did you know that the best branding, the best publicity, the best marketing that the church can get is not through social media, not through a website, not through a sign or a building or something that they're doing. It is the power of a changed life. When somebody comes in bound and they walk out free, that's the best publicity you ever need. When someone walks in bondage and they walk out delivered that is the only publicity you will ever need when someone walks in lame and they leave walking that is the best publicity you could ever imagine but in our culture and our need to amaze we forgot that maybe there isn't even a miracle here is there is there a miracle in your house 
Some of you are like, man, this is too much today. This is, this is, this is too much. If you grew up a certain persuasion, you're like, this is wild. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, he's just getting warmed up. Organ hits. Dun, dun. It's like, if that happens, it's all over. I run around this building. <laughs> Pastor Tyler was here. He would sneak up there right now and just throw it. The last key is this. Unbelief versus faith. Always in conflict with one another. Unbelief versus faith. Unbelief versus faith. It says he could not do any miracles. Most theologians agree that the, the proper definition is not that he could not. It was this, that he would not. Now that, that gets personal because it's one thing, Jesus, if you can't. It's quite another if you won't. You won't? We've got needs. People have issues. We need you. And this is how a lot of churches sit and their posture of God is this. Come on. Jesus, don't you know we got people that are hurting? Gee, just listen to the familiarity in that. That we would even approach God like that. But where there is no faith, where there is no faith, 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 belief, that God, this is what commentaries say, is that this, this was different for Jesus than any other experience because everywhere else that he had went to, people would run to him, flock to him, even bow to him and bring their sick and bring their hurting and they would come to Jesus. That was an act of vulnerability. It was an act of humility. It was an act of faith. But when he came to his hometown, this is what happened. They were amazed, but they did not come. Because to come to him would convey faith in him. But because they were familiar with him, they did not honor him. And because they did not honor him, they could not come to him. So all of them left, except for a few, left without a miracle. Theologians believe that it, the phrase he could not the reason that, that, it, that, that, that we, we think it was that he can't, he ran out of power, but the reason that it's he would not is because that it would be against his moral code, the character of God, to give miracles to people who did not come. Because the, 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 the approaching him is what he's looking for because it denotes faith. It, it is the key. It is the key. It is the key. Faith is the key to the power of God. Faith is the key to a move of God. Faith is the key to miracle working power. Faith is the key to the supernatural. Because faith says I'm broken and I'm coming God. Faith says I have a disease and I'm on my way. But familiarity said. Is this Mary's son? It's pretty good. Got to admit Good message, man. Good, good series. Ah, let's, let's invite a couple friends. Let's come back. Let's entertain you. Let's, this is good. Jesus, way to go, man. Keep going. We're cheering you on. At the same time, they're offended. They're amazed, but they're offended. Do you know there's people every week, thousands of people, there's people that are amazed by what's happening, but offended in their hearts. Let me, let me just help you because I love you. If you're harboring offense in your heart, you are bottlenecking the power of God to your life. It, it's poison. 
and I know they deserve it, and so you think you're getting them, but you're actually hurting you. You gotta let it go. They broke my trust. They didn't see my gift. They didn't. You gotta let it go. Because it's bottlenecking the power of God to your life. It wasn't that he could not, it was that he would not, because he could not break God's character by giving something to someone who didn't come for it. So the key to a move of God in this room is the humility that says, God, we need you. We're coming to you. We believe you have something I can't get on my own. We believe. We have faith. We are believing there's a miracle on the other side. We believe this year will be better than last. We believe you're doing something. We believe that belief will bring about an approach. That approach is caused by faith. That says Jesus has something for us. I want, I want, I want you to see something. Put up uh, verse 5 real quick. on Verse 5. On the screen. I want, I want you to see this. It says, he could not do any miracles where? There. I want you to take note of this. He could not do any miracles there, in that place, collectively. Not in one person, collectively, corporate. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Most theologians believe the sick people that were healed were the people that had the audacity to come to him. So everyone's mad because Jesus isn't healing everybody, but there's only a few people that came. And the few people that came walked away healed. And then it says, he was amazed at whose lack of faith? There. Same word, different spelling, right? Same word, different spelling. What's happening in them is affecting the place where they are. Because they, they didn't have faith. There was no move of God. This is why we aren't experiencing a move of God in our churches is because, Pastor, you didn't do your devotions. Pastor, you didn't pray. Pastor, you, you didn't have the right message for me. Pastor, no, 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 no. The reason we're not seeing a move of God is because we, we, all of them, all of them were affected by all of their unbelief in the same way that all of them would have been affected by all of their faith. People say, why do I need to get into church? Because this is a place where the faith is. Why, can I just watch it at home? Yeah, and there's hundreds of people watching at home right now. It's great. But there's something about being in the house. There is something about being in the place where the presence of God is. There is something about a people saying, I, I think God's about to do something. I wonder if God's about to do something right now in this room and in this service. I wonder, just maybe, if God is just waiting for one person or three people or five people or maybe all of us to just say, God, we have faith. We approach you. We honor you. We engage in you. And if we did, I wonder, I just wonder if maybe God wouldn't move supernaturally, if the power of the living God wouldn't show up in your life and in my life and people would walk out healed and saved and transformed and we could stop amazing people we could stop feeling the pressure we got to amaze we can let them encounter God thanks for listening you can find out more about us at church1132.com